The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I am your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, the only, Tammy, the underdog, Underwood. Say hi, Tam. Hi, everybody. Okay, so. So. We've done this one before. Kind of. But. It wasn't when I was here, so yeah. Well, that and plus the the, the track when I was reviewing everything was kind of really bad, so we're going to redo it. Okay. We're going to post this as a new track. So if you've heard this one before, look, don't bitch at me, okay? Bitch at him, please. Jesus fucking Christ, can't handle you assholes. <laughs> so much stress. You just called our listeners assholes. And? Oh. I'm an asshole, that, too. That's true. That's Well, no, you're a whole ass, but yeah. Just one second. Uh, hey, can I get you to go out to the truck and get me a pack of cigarettes out of my center console? Please. Please. I'm trying to say nice things to the coffee goddess. Yeah, well, you weren't saying please. I didn't say now, bitch, either. So. Well, there is that. Oh. All right. What am I going to do with you? Today we're doing Paul Denyer, a.k.a. the Frankston Serial Killer. Bum, 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 bum. I got to get more effects like that. As I light a cigarette. And she'd light a cigarette and kill me. and It's my job. And I already did a little dance for you, too. almost killed you that way. You did. I literally almost died laughing so hard because that was a sight nobody should have to see. And I will never forget it. That's why next time I'm going to record it and we're going to post it on the website. Well, yeah. All right, let's jump into the old Paul Denyer here. As we, I, live, as we live our lives in 2023, we've become very used to those who are transgender. That plays into this later on. Now, I'm not saying that everyone agrees, but it's more common than it was in like the 80s and the 90s. In fact, even the early 2000s. Right. In fact, Budweiser put a trans woman on a beer can. Yes, I know. Everyone lost their minds that they did that. My opinion, by the way, is that I don't give a rat's ass. I don't drink Bud Light anyway because it tastes gross. It's disgusting. You need yeah. to rethink your life if a fucking beer can has just changed your whole life. I'm just saying. <laughs> Especially a generic, crappy-ass beer like Bud. Right? But I die, Greg. And by the way, it doesn't mean I necessarily support transgender or don't support them. I'm just saying, man, let people just do whatever they do. If Budweiser wants to fucking put a tranny on a can, who gives a shit? It's, it's beer. Fuck. Right? Anyway. But that's not why we're, what we're here talking about today. Okay? No, no. But the transgender angle, like I said, does fit into this episode. No, no. That's not same, same, same. same. That's, That's no, no. no. <laughs> Thank you. That's no, no. One of them. Any who's. <laughs> I do want to give a shout out to one of our listeners in Australia. Her name is Tara, by the way. Uh, she sent us uh, a message on Facebook. Oh. And she said that she really enjoyed the Keith Jesperson episodes. And asked if we did serial killers from Australia. <laughs> did you tell her about Catherine Knight? Well, she oh, wasn't really a dude. serial killer. We've done Ivan Malat. We've done the Snowtown murders. We've done yeah, I forgot uh, about Catherine. Catherine Knight. We've done. I mentioned, um, well, I mentioned that we did Ivan yeah. Malat. I totally forgot about the Snowtown, the Snowtown killers and and, there, there and were, Catherine. I can't there believe were also I those two. You you did one episode on two guys on a Thursday because they were they committed separate crimes but they were similar the gangsters I have not, probably I can't remember I their names right off the end but yeah 
Anywho's, the only one I can remember at the time was Ivan Malat, by the way. Yeah. Uh, no. So with that said, here we go. Let's talk about good old Paul here. Paul Denyer. Paul Charles Denyer was born on April 14th of 72 in Campbelltown, New South Wales, Australia. His parents are Anthony and Maureen Dyer. They lived uh, and married in London, England before they migrated. See, I didn't say immigrated. I said migrated. It would have been immigrated, though, because they are not a bird. Yes, they are birds of a feather. Fuck, I mean, flock together. (laughs) Did you just say fuck together? Yes, I did. (laughs) Anyway, they went to land down under in 1965. All right. Okay, so... uh, I kind of admire them, and let me tell you why, just based on that little bit of information, because they didn't, they obviously didn't get married because they had to. Right. They get, you know, they got married because they wanted to be married, and they had kids later on. It wasn't like, oh, she's knocked up. Yeah, that's just, yeah. Could you imagine if I married every chick I've ever knocked up? Jesus Christ. Anyway. Paul you mean your list would be longer than the ten you've already been married to? Five and a half. Four and a half. Four and a half. <laughs> See, even I know the number. Well, I'm looking for another midget. That way there, I got a match set. <laughs> so Paul had a hard time fitting in the, with his peers. And as we've seen time and time again, this led, this led to a lack of self-confidence. Um, as well as his education suffered as well, right? Okay. Because, you know, kids are picking on you. You're not fitting in really well. You know, you, you kind of feel like you're, 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 you're a turd in a toilet bowl full of piss. Um, it's, it's no bueno. Right. No, totally. So it got even worse when he was a teenager because he gained a lot of weight. So now he's fat. He's awkward. He's not doing good in school. He's not fitting in with anybody, right? Okay. So as you can imagine, the other kids gave him crap about his awkwardness and his weight. Of course they did. So kids are like that, though. They're mean as fuck. I was going to say, look what they did to Bobby Joe Long because he had a uh, chromosome malfunction. Malfunction? (laughs) Malfunction. (laughs) Malfunction. Poor guy. So even with all that going on in school, you know, he would go on, go from awkward to psycho. You would think that he'd just be reclusive, right? Like, uh, you know what? Piss on everybody. I don't want to hang out with anybody. But nope. He became a little psycho Sally. Psycho Sally? Not a psycho Sammy? Not, well, maybe a psycho Sammy, but you'll find out why here in a minute. All right. <laughs> so it was reported that when he was 11 years old, he cut the throat of his sister's teddy bear. Now, that's not very odd. As I mean, you know, we've all fought with our siblings and, and done some pretty messed up things to them. Yeah, that's true. That's well, true. What happened next, though, was absolutely horrifying. 11 years old, remember? Yes. He slashed the throat of the family cat and hung it in a <gasps> tree. And that was actually when he was 13 years And when he was 13 years old, he then stole a car. No way, dude. Seriously? Yeah. Oh. Now, that right there, if that was my kid, I would have beat him within the inch of my life because of how I feel about animals. Inch of your life or his life? His life. (laughs) I would have committed a goddamn felony right there. Yeah, I probably would have, too. So he steals the car, right? And he gets off with a warning, but maybe they should have thrown the book at him and locked his ass up because when he was 15 years old, he assaulted a fellow student after school. And in retrospect, I'm thinking about that. Maybe it was one of those kids that was giving him a bunch of shit. Yeah. He's like sick and tired of the bullshit and says, that's exactly. it. I'm going to beat the ever-loving shit out of this guy to shut his fucking pie hole. Exactly. I would have. Shit. So as he grew up, he really couldn't hold a job and he kept getting fired. Okay. Kind of like my son. 
Except now he's holding a job. He's I was going to say, you're doing pretty good in this job now. Yeah, and he did But good. then I hate to say that because every time we've said that, something's happened. Well, he did good the last one, too, when he was doing warehousing over at Nordstrom's. Right. I mean, he was he was doing okay with that one until he got canned from that. But, you know, at least he's trying. He held on that one for quite a while. So he got kicked out of a, a different job seven times before, wow. get this, he tried to become a cop. Which, if he was back in the 40s and 50s, as we had seen in the last episode, he would have fit right in with kicking the yeah, shit out no of people. Yeah, no shit, yo. <laughs> but yet, I am baffled by why in the hell he would even think about becoming a cop. Or like that would be a good choice for him, given his past. No shit. Unless he's reading crimes and shit out of the 40s and 50s where they beat the shit out of everybody. Yeah, that makes no sense. I mean, But then it would give him a sense of authority and dominance over somebody, too. That's true, but if you can't keep a job that requires no skills at all, how the hell are you going to keep one that requires a bit of training? A little bit of training, a little bit of focus. Yeah, yeah. you got to focus on that ass whooping. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> you got to focus when you're whooping somebody's ass. Damn That's it. right, man. You got to really aim for the sweet spots. If you're not focused, <laughs> I mean, you're going to miss something. You might, like, glance an arm, just graze him or something. I know, right? Be efficient when you're whooping some ass. That's, I think that's my, my lesson that of the day. That is right. So he started to uh, lose his shit when he was about 20, 21 years old. Okay. And in the Melbourne sub suburb of Frankston. He began to stalk and attack women. Ooh. Now, this was during a five-month period in 1993. Okay. So, in February of 93, Donna Vase's apartment was broken into, and shortly after that, she received a threatened, like threatening calls, right? Mm-hmm. Like calling up, making, you know, making threats against her. And she was terrified, you know, not just for herself, but her newborn baby. Wow. So, she asked her boyfriend to actually take her and the child with her with him while he was, like, delivering pizzas. Because, you know, she's scared shitless. I would be, too. Yeah, me, too. If I was a new mom with a, with a new baby yeah. and some psycho's calling me after breaking in, hell yeah. Yeah. So they weren't gone very long, right? Because he only had, like, an hour left to go in his shift. Okay. And when they returned to the apartment, the scene that Donna walked into was one that I am sure still haunts her to this day. Okay. There was blood covering the floors, and one of her cats was found dead. <gasps> That's when they called the cops. Bad boys, what you gonna do when they come for you, bad mate? Boys, bad boys, Huh? It said mate. Mate. Because they say mate a lot. Crikey. Crikey. That's a big one. <laughs> so the officers showed up and saw that the cat had been gutted, and the intestines were spread out across the floor. Almost like a Richard Trenton Chase thing, huh? Yeah, well, get this. He also noticed that the eyes had been removed. Oh. And I couldn't find out what it was. I'm probably sure. Brian, I know you'll end up finding what the pornographic image was. I got faith. You know what? I have no doubt. (laughs) I'm not even going to say I wonder if. No. I'm just saying, you you know, Scott couldn't find out what it was, and he didn't tell me until now, and I really don't have the time. So, you know, let us know, Brian. Well, check (laughs) this out. A pornographic image was placed on the cat's body and written in the cat's blood was, quote, Donna, you're dead. (sighs) So, like, specifically called her out. Now, I got to tell you, man, I have great fighting skills. I have guns. I have no qualms against killing somebody. However, if I came home and my cat was dead and across my wall was scrawled in my cat's blood, Scotty, you're dead? <laughs> yeah. I'm out. I'm done. No. I'm, I'm, I, I won't be able to sleep in that place. Fuck that. Really? I would 
think that you would wait up for the door to open with your gun beaded in on the eye hole. <laughs> no, I'll tell you why. Because this asshole's probably going to come back in my head with like 30 of his friends. And my oh, yeah. my 45 only holds like eight in the mag and one in the pipe. So I'm pretty sure they're not going to let me reload. Of course, I would end up buying extra magazines too. But anyway, I'm dead Greg. So in the bathroom, yet another gruesome discovery. Right? Okay. Her cat had had two kittens, and they were found with their throats cut oh as gosh, well no. and floating in a tub of water. Well, I imagine it was soup by then. You know, you got blood, yeah. you got water. It's a little Campbell's tomato soup. Oh, no. Thanks. I'll never be able to eat that again. And yet another pornographic image was left on the wardrobe, and shaving cream had been sprayed all over the mirror. The killer even placed pictures uh, that depicted pornographic acts in the crib where her baby would sleep. <gasps> Yeah, I'd have been gone. Well, he also tore up and slashed up the crib as well. Oh, no. I would have been gone. So, of course, and I can't falter, Donna refused to stay in her apartment. She's like, I'm out of here. She's like, fuck yeah. this, right? I'm outy like a pregnant woman's belly button. Exactly. Like a turkey <laughs> timer. Yeah. So, she moved in with her sister. Well, get this. Her sister lived next door to Paul Denyer. Oh, oh, no. Well, Paul Denyer did admit to breaking into the apartment, slashing the cats, and basically wrecking the place, and said that if Donna had been home, he would have killed her as well. And this was after he was caught, by the way. Oh, my good, No way. So get this funny coincidence, though. Donna's sister had a neighbor that her place was broken into as well. And Denyer did admit to slashing it that one as well. Oh, my goodness. What a what way is... to bring the neighborhood together, yeah, right, boys and no girls? Tell yo. Like, here you go. It's a big slasher party. So it turns out Donna and the lady who lived next door to uh, Donna's sister, whose place was slashed up, they were actually the lucky ones. They got to live. Although the cats, meh, not not so lucky. Yeah. So then we have Elizabeth Stevens. Now, little Liz, she was only 18 years old when she traveled from Tasmania to Melbourne so that she can go to the TAFE Frank, was she really fast? No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like the Tasmanian <laughs> devil. And I actually, you know, I, I, I write in here that uh, don't ask me uh, what TAFE stands for. I have no freaking idea. But I'm going to assume it was a school and not a strip club. And I did look it up. It's like uh, technical something or it's it's yeah it's for technical jobs. Yeah, you know, for furthering your education. <clears throat> anyway, she wanted to study to join the armed forces. You know, fight for your country, protect the kangaroos, that type of thing. Why? They can fox do them. Well, I'm just kidding. No one needs to protect the kangaroos. They're mean as fuck. <laughs> At least from what I've seen. I've seen them like drown capybaras that are just swimming by. I'm going, hey, kangaroo, just out for a nice swim. And the kangaroo's like, fuck you, you got to die. <laughs> not anymore, you're not. And I have no reason for doing it except that I'm an asshole. That's right. So at about 7 o'clock on a Friday, June 11th of 93, Elizabeth, you know, caught a bus to go home. Well, because yeah, she, she was going home. She lived yeah. with her aunt and uncle, and that had been for about six months. Okay. So the rain's coming down in buckets, right? And the wind is blowing as well. Okay. Keep in mind, kids. Okay? that Boys and girls. Boys and girls. Keep that in mind. So she gets off the bus and starts walking home. Mm-hmm. Now... This sounds like the beginning of a ghost story, by the way, on a dark and stormy night. A little bit, yeah. but I didn't want to say that. Anyway, she she was grabbed from behind and threatened uh, by what looked like a gun. 
Okay. Now, we know all this later on because Denier did confess. Right. Okay, that's how we found this shit out. Elizabeth screamed, but her cries couldn't be heard over the rain and the wind, heard? right? Heard? Yeah, heard. Okay. I said heard. I know you did. That's why I was correcting you. Because it yeah. was funny. I said heard. No, you didn't. You said heard. Whatever. According to Paul, Elizabeth was told to shut up or he'd blow her head off. Okay. He led her down the street. Denier held her hand so that no one would suspect that trouble was afoot. Or a hand. <laughs> or at hand. <laughs> Dude, I don't even know what to say to you right now. So several people saw him together and assumed that they were just a couple out for a stroll. Okay. Yeah, a stroll on a windy and rainy night, right? Well, you know. It makes sense. Hey, the weather's shit, but let's go for a walk. Stranger things have happened, Scott. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Denier led Elizabeth to Lloyd Park Reserve, and he propositioned her saying, you want to fuck? Oh. That's what he said, right? Because I know that always works. I know that the first time I meet any woman, they go, hi, what's your name? Oh, my name's Scott. You want to fuck? That always works. 100% does of the time. It, does it really? Oh, yeah. That's a surefire <laughs> way. Of, to getting slapped. Then I go like, hey, while we're fucking, can I get a blowjob? <laughs> 100 percent of the time it always works, especially when I'm at the nursing home. <laughs> You're so stupid. So of course she denies. She says no, right? She's like, um, look, freak. Yeah. No. And he's like, oh well, I'm not gonna rape you or anything. So what's he do? Then he strangled her, cut her throat, and viciously stomped her face. Oh well, you know, he didn't rape her. He didn't rape her. Then he dragged her lifeless body across some blackberry bushes to a culvert that was full of water. She was also stabbed and slashed across her torso as well. Oh, my goodness. Elizabeth had left a note for her aunt and uncle saying that she would be at TAFE uh, or at the library studying until about 8 o'clock. Okay. But when she didn't show up by 1030, of course, they got worried. They're like, hey, man, this isn't her normal thing. Like, if she says 8, she's home right about 8, right? So her, her uncle cops in the car, which they drive on the wrong side of the road. Of course they do. And so she, he, he's driving around. He's looking for her, right? He's like, Liz, Liz, where are you, mate? And it's, no Liz to be found. Like, even the kangaroos are like, uh, no, we didn't see her. We drowned four capybaras, but we didn't see her. <laughs> so the police were called shortly after that. Her okay. body was found the next day around 5 o'clock at night. The police investigating... Uh, investigated trying to find a clue to who killed this young girl, but they found nothing. Nothing, honey? Nothing. They didn't find jack shit. Nothing that. Okay. It wouldn't be until Dyer was caught that, he, that they would know who took the life of Elizabeth Stevens. Yeah. So then, a month later, and I love how this woman spells her name, by the way. Her name is Rosa Toth, R-O-S-Z-A. That's kind of cool, right? Yeah. Anyway, she caught a train at the Seaford Rail Station and headed north so that she could go home. Nothing strange about that. We all do that home. We all do the home thing daily, right? We all get off of work and we go home. Well, about five thirty, she was walking past the Seaford, the Seaford Reserve, and she happened to notice a guy that was hanging out near the restrooms. Okay. So she passes him by, and that's when she was attacked. Wow. She was dragged into the park, but she managed to get away. See, Rosa, she was a smart girl. Denier held a fake gun to her head, and she pretended just to give up. She said, oh, you got me, man, with the, with the gun to my head? No one probably that he was full of shit. 
And when the time was right, she broke free from Denier and got away. She's pretty shaken up, but she had some minor injuries. But she flagged down a passing car, and the driver of the car helped her get back to her house. And it's good to see some people survive an attack from the from this guy, right? Well, yeah, but did she get a look at who it was or no? Um, I think we get into that in a oh, little okay. bit. Anywho, that was my first thought. My first thought was, did she have big boobs? Of course it was. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> she probably does. Our next girl wasn't so lucky, though. <clears throat> the same night, the very same night that Rosa got away, Deborah Freem fell victim to Paul Di- uh, Denier. Oh, so he lost one, so he had to find another one. Exactly. Yeah. It happens to me, man. Like, sometimes I'll, like, lose a cheese stick, and I gotta get another one. Um, so no, I can- you ate the cheese stick and forgot. Maybe. <laughs> I've been forgetting a lot of shit. I know. So she was 22 years old, and she lived in the area of the park and was taken in her car early that evening. Okay. She had left her 12-year-old son at home with a friend of hers, and she went out to get some milk and some food, right, for dinner. She left around. Well, she left about seven o'clock, you know. And when she hadn't returned by eight, her friend had left her uh, that was watching her son. Called Deborah's boyfriend. Okay. Then her boyfriend drove around trying to find her. When she didn't turn up, she was reported missing to the cops on Monday, July twelfth. Okay. So a farmer found Deborah's body. She was partially clothed. And much like Elizabeth Stevens, she had been strangled and her body was cut up and her throat had been slashed. Wow. Yeah, what a dick, right? Yeah. Just really, I really wish that out of all these victims that most of them like, could have gotten away like Rosa did. Yeah. Rosa's a freaking ninja, though. Ninja. Yep. Ninja skills. So much like anything, you become better and better uh, at what you do when you practice it. And. Oh, yeah. On this is the same month on July 30th, Paul Denier would claim his final victim. Wow. Natalie Russell was only 17 years old. She was still in school, right? Oh, okay, yeah. As she walked home from John Paul College, that's when she was attacked. Um, at the time, there, there was a good amount of media, by the way, attention, warning everybody about this attacker, right? They got two bodies. They got one uh, chick who was attacked. That was Rosa. Mm-hmm. You know, so even her college is like, hey, man, watch out. There's this there's this dickhead out there and he's attacking and or murdering girls. Right. So everyone's on high alert knowing this man man's out there stalking women. Natalie, however, took her normal short, shortcut home. Ugh. She took a road that ran between two golf courses. And that is where she fell victim to the violence of Paul Denier. Wow. So at 8 p.m., she was reported missing to the police, and when the police searched for her body, they found her dead body. Ugh. Mutilated body. Ugh. She had been dragged uh, through a hole in the fence into some bushes. She died in very much the same way uh, his other victims did, all cut up and the throat was slashed. Wow. To her credit, she didn't go down without a fight. She had fought for her life. That little fact is important because she it was how the police found some DNA evidence to track down this oh, deranged wow. ass killer. Good. So while this poor girl is dead. It wasn't in vain. It wasn't in vain. So good job, Natalie. You know, yeah. May you rest in peace after that horrific ordeal. 
Because I have a feeling like ghosts watch me or something. They're going to be like, hey, mate, you didn't give me proper justice. And they're going to haunt me. And then pretty soon I'm bleeding out my eyes and my asshole. And then they're going to kangaroo punch you? That's right. I'll put a roo inside of your house. And then I'll be like, whoa, there's a roo in my freaking, in, in my living room. I'll hire roo. And then pretty soon it's going to like hold me down and like, you know, thunder punch me and kick me and then kill me. And I killed you just because you're here, mate. Yeah. It's not going to be anything like Kanga or Rue from the poo. <laughs> no, but it'll probably cover me in poo or I'll poo my pants. <laughs> you know. So let's talk about the investigation. All right. So the cops had already been looking into the slasher break-ins uh, that was happening on the same block that Denier lived. Okay. There's an old saying that goes, don't crap where you eat, which means... That if you're going to do some criminal shit, don't do it near your home. Yeah. That's so, how most of our people get caught. Just so, saying. Yeah. So add the slasher break-ins to the bodies that were turning up dead and the slashed as well. You know, dead and slashed. It was time to increase the size of the investigation. With the death of Elizabeth Stevens, they gathered more manpower in an attempt to find and stop this freaking maniac. Okay. No matter how hard they looked, they couldn't find the forensic forensic evidence uh, at the scene, right? Because, like, the weather was total shit. Oh, okay. So it's washing a lot of stuff away. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Witnesses would say that they saw a gray Nissan Pulsar in the area. Uh, the Nissan had been driving around erratically and flashing, flashing its high beams at everyone. You know, kind of like an asshole. <laughs> Okay. Like how I write my shit? Yeah. Yeah. That's just how I felt that time. No, because I can see you saying that because, you know, you do a lot of driving, so you know what that's like. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at him. He drives, you know, kind of like an asshole. Yeah. Um, those are my words, by the way. Not a quote from the witnesses. I'm the one who's saying, like an asshole. Uh-huh. So Rosa Toth gave her description to the cops, and they drew up a composite sketch. Now, y'all remember Rosa Toth, right? She yes. was the badass girl who got away. We love you, Rosa. We love you. Anyway, after the break-ins uh, that were called the slasher break-ins because, you know, uh, but before Elizabeth Russell was killed, the cops were doing a door-to-door search looking for any information that would lead them to the nutcase that slashed up people's homes. Okay. With the death of these girls, it became the largest door-to-door search in the history of Victoria, Australia. Oh, I believe it. Kind of makes me think that they should have gotten a hold of the Jehovah Witnesses, though, and had them help out. I mean, those people know how to go door to door. And they know how to weed out people. Oh, hell yes, <laughs> they do. They can knock on the door and say, can we interest you in a watchtower? And by the way, do you know anything about? <laughs> and pretty soon you're letting them in going, look, as long as I can get you to shut the fuck up and get okay, out of my house. the fuck you want me to I'll say. I'll listen to whatever you want. I'll take whatever you want. Just hurry it up. I'll Fuck away from me. That's right. Anyways, Elizabeth Russell's death gave them the breakthrough piece of information they needed. Check this out. A postal worker saw a guy in a rusted out Toyota Corolla, and it had no license plates on it. The dude was sitting there in the car with his binoculars and, quote, acting suspicious. So as she stopped by uh, the house that the car was parked near, she saw Russell, and they found out later, walking into a park. Or, or they saw him walking into the park. Okay, the suspicious man, the suspicious man in the car got out of the car after watching Russell. 
The postal worker then called the cops, and they came out and wrote down the VIN number, and then started knocking on a few doors. Like, hello, is anybody home? Oh, you're naked. Oh, my God, you're hanging more meat than a butcher shop. Jesus Christ, put some clothes on. You need on. a boning room. <laughs> I can tell who's been in the boning room. You, madam. You. <laughs> and the cockpin. <laughs> at the piggery. <laughs> So they had to leave shortly after that, though, and take care of other police calls, right? Because they're getting yeah. other calls. I mean, they're short-staffed. Later on, the cops would discover that the car belonged to Paul Denyer. Oh, okay. They would also find some holes that were cut in the fence that lined the walkway. Now, they never identify who the strange dude was that was watching Paul, but apparently maybe it was a friend of his. I don't know. Or maybe I misread it. I don't fucking know. You probably misread it. Maybe. They would also find a tool in the car that had blood on it. So remember, this is all happening in July, right? Yes. July 31st. Wow. Yeah. They're moving quick on this one because this guy's a dipshit. The cops paid a visit to Paul Denier where he lived with his girlfriend. Keep in mind, this is right next door to Donna Vase's sister. Yeah. That's the first chick whose who's, um, animals were slaughtered, right? Right, right, okay. right. I just want to make sure I'm keeping it right in my head. Yeah, she was a sister of the vi- uh, of the victim of the break-ins. Right. The cops start to uh, start checking where Paul was during the time of the killings, and Paul admitted that he had been around the area where the girls were killed at the time that it happened. Oh, my God. So the cops say, all right, mate, we're going to take you into the into the police station for more questioning. And they, they fought kangaroos, and they wrestled, they, they wrestled some crocs. And pass the koala bears. And they just passed the koala bears, right? That. <laughs> they didn't box or wrestle any of them. No, nah, you know, you, you don't want to. They, 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 they've all got freaking so syphilis. They're, they're little syphilis monkeys aren't is they, what they are. Aren't they like rodents? Actually, rodents and not bears? Uh, No, they're marsupials. Okay, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. They, but they, you know, they, they carry syphilis and shit, so you don't want to. Is that how them. you got it? <laughs> I was acquitted of all those charges, okay? I'm just kidding, people. I have to give him hell. By the way, did you know that pigeons die after sex? Well, the one that I had sex with did. <laughs> you know, when he told me that joke yesterday, he literally said that. I'm like, okay, do I want to know how you know this? <laughs> yeah. I'm not right. So, the cops take him to the station and ask him some more questions. They did a video interview with Denier, and he couldn't explain the cuts that he had all over his hands and his arms. Like, I don't know how these happened. It's a fucking mystery. So he did agree to a DNA test, though. Okay. Paul Denyer knew that the jig was up, so to speak. He knew that the DNA evidence, with that, with that, the cops got that. He's caught. He's done. Well, of course. So the next day, on August 1st, he confessed to the killings, the assault on Toth, and the slasher break-ins. Wow. He said that he had been stalking women and girls for years, and his motivation for it was he hated women and had wanted to kill women since he was 14 years old. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm pretty sure we're going to get into it, so I'm not going to ask any questions right now. But Oh, ask away. I'm going to take a drink of coffee. Okay, well, because my whole thing is, if you're transgender, he's a male thinking that he's a woman trapped in a man's body. Why would you kill women? Because women are twats. All of you. All of you are twats. And that's why you got murdered tonight. <laughs> Probably. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if Dawn fucking stabbed me in the throat. Let's be honest. I would have it coming. I wouldn't even falter. I'd be like, I had that shit coming. Anyways. <clears throat> yeah, just, Scott, it wouldn't be the throat. Probably in the dick. <laughs> just saying. Obviously, people have thought about this. 
Oh, we have. We have. I hate all of you. All right. So you guys shut the fuck up and let me finish this because I want to be done with this episode so I can go out and go shopping. We're going to go shopping? I am for music shit, so kiss my ass. <sighs> he was evaluated by psychologists, and they noted that he had no emotion when he was talking about what he had done. Like, he didn't give two shits, right? He pled guilty to the killings and the abduction as well. Dr. Ian Gobbin, who was the treating forensic past, uh, psychologist, was quoted as saying he found in uh, he found intentional maltreatment of his victims intensely gratifying, taking pleasure in their torture, anguish, wow. distress, hopelessness, and the, and suffering of his victims. Wow. In contrast to simple anger, the behavior of a sadistic personality is fully premeditated. Um, he is... Oh, that's supposed to be not... I'm doing what you do. I fucking misspell things. See, it bugs you when you come across it, huh? You have to change it, don't you? Yeah, because I have OCD. Exactly. So he's not suddenly exploding with rage. The more aggressive he becomes, the more powerful that he felt. That's his quote, right? Okay. And he was diagnosed with sadistic personality disorder, however, not legally insane. Yeah, there's a difference. So let's let's talk about the difference between a disorder and legally insane real quick, just for our listeners that don't know. So, like, if you're legally insane, that means that you really didn't know or have control of yourself when you were committing the crimes. Right. So... Let's say that um, we'll go with something really simple like diminished diminished capacity. You're mentally retarded and you don't realize that if you stab the kid next door, the kid's not coming back to life. The kid's going to die. Right. out. Okay, it's diminished capacity. You're probably not going to get the death sentence. You're probably not going to go to prison. You're going to go to a mental hospital, a nut hut. Right. And where you're probably going to live out your days because you don't have the ability to realize that that is wrong. Right. That's just a normal thing. However... With this sadistic personality disorder, you know what the hell you're doing. Exactly. You're fully aware of what you're doing. You're able to premeditate it. You know the consequences of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You have a full understanding and grasp of that. And that's what this asshole is. Yeah. All right. Then you did say he was inspired. And I, I this is something that's going to piss me off. Anyway, by the 1987 horror film, The Stepfather. And in that movie, if I remember it correctly, the stepfather liked to kill young girls as well. In my mind, it's just an excuse that we hear from many killers. Yeah, you know, we did a whole episode on it. Right. You know, I was influenced by this movie or that movie, etc. The bottom line is that he was just a dickhead Yeah. who liked to kill girls. That's, totally. that's the fucking reason. Give me your bullshit. So... This Beckerhead was uh, sentenced to life in prison for killing, for the killings, and assaulting Toth. Okay. Okay, the, the, the ninja girl. Right. Which, Rosa, still love you, baby. <laughs> Later in 93, he filed an appeal and was given a non-parole sentence, a period sentence, of 30 years, which makes him eligible for parole this fucking year in 2023. Really? It what does. month? I don't know. I didn't oh. look for that. I had to finish this one up because we were short. Oh, that's right. We were. So this check this out. Weird. This is where we're going to get into the transgender thing. You ready? I'm ready. In 2004, Denier came back into the spotlight when he was featured on a report that was titled Murderer's Sex Change Request. Yep. Denier identified as a woman for a short time and went by the name Paula in prison. 
Okay. They didn't say if he was like the queen bee. Oh. Like, uh, yeah, uh, no. Uh, uh, Speck, Richard yeah, Speck. Speck. I was going to say Richard somebody. But yeah, yeah, Richard Speck, who was taking dick in the in the prison and, on film. Dude, and snorting more cocaine off of people's legs than I have seen in any freaking Al Pacino movie. I'm telling you, man, I've done a lot of coke. A lot. But Jesus Christ, he's a fucking snuffle up, I guess, of coke. Every five seconds, he was lining up another line. Either, I mean, either he, that was some weak ass coke, or God damn, he's snuffing well, the snuffleupagus on cocaine. I think it was in uh, what was that Al Pacino movie Casino? I think where he like passes out and the thing of cocaine comes up, his face is covered in it. I think you're right. I think yeah, it's and I that's what I pictured when I saw him doing that on those videos. Just saying. <laughs> okay, so then it was discovered that he had sent his estranged brother a letter. And what it says, I don't know. And I don't care. But his brother in court had said that he was molested by Paul when he was a child. Oh. Then Paul was once again back in the eye of the media. In 2014, he was accused of four rapes over a six-week period at some point. Oh. We're assuming he was out of the prison, by, you know, like before he got incarcerated. Oh, yeah. Then a former inmate released letters from Paul, which went on a website that the news station, a, a news station had created. It dealt with how he identified as a woman. And there's a lot of people who think that Paul is saying that he identifies as a woman as a stunt. Paul did revert back to being called Paul and not Paula. And I think it's a stunt, too. Yeah, because, if you're going to go wishy-washy like that, it's a stunt. Because one thing I didn't put in here, cause, uh, only because I honestly forgot, was he was offered... That his request for a sex change was granted. They said, okay, you know what? You suffer from gender dysgraphia, which is that's uh, yeah. the, the, the technical term of it. And we'll, we'll give you a gender reassignment. He said, nope, I don't want that. Yeah. It's a stunt. This guy's full of shit. He's more full of shit than a goddamn used outhouse. Yeah, because don't ask for it. And then when they tell you you can have it, say, never mind. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Nothing about this makes sense. He just wants to literally try to get away with his crimes and get back out there. And yeah. I feel just with all the stunts and everything like that he's pulled, um, and and uh, he shouldn't be ever released. And I hope he can, I hope he does not get paroled this year. No, because I mean that would concern me. I don't think Australia as a country would be safe. I don't think so either. I mean, it's bad enough you got some psychos out there like Catherine Knight, dude. That's one that's not, I hopefully, I'm not sure if she's still alive. But I can't remember if she's still alive. I can't either, but if she is, she should never be released. And then Ivan Malat is dead. Yes. Um, the Snowtown murders, I think some of them are still alive, but they're there forever, so. Right, right, right. And then Wilder. Wilder and Christopher Wilder, he died in that car accident, and then his lover came forward and said they committed those murders. The, um, tr- the Truro? That sounds familiar, but yeah. I can't remember anything. I can't think of it right offhand, but yeah. All right, let's wrap this one up. Remember, boys and girls, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. Log on to Facebook and join us at Citizens of Brutal Nation. Join the, the, the discussion. Also, there's a link on there that will take you to our Etsy page where we have many T-shirts with many of your favorite serial killers on it and some of the crazy things that they've said and done. Yes. And my favorite part, because I love making fun of Scratch, we have a whole section dedicated just to Sasquatch and the things that she does. Bathing in the sun, going squatching, drinking drinking coffee, drinking coffee, attacking her boss, 
That's why there's a shield in between us. Because <laughs> I've been attacked too many damn times. And every time I go to the hospital, um, Mr. Alexander, what happened? I tell him I was literally attacked by a Sasquatch. Then I get put on a 72-hour hole back in the nut hut because they don't <laughs> believe me. And I said, I have pictures. I have pictures. I have pictures. Still. Whatever. This show's copyright 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. If you're hearing this or any part of this on anybody else's show or podcast, they're lying. Dave and Bastards. We will talk to you guys later on. Ciao. Bye, everybody.